Hey y'all, welcome to a new episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast with your girl Stephanie Hardy. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome and thank you for joining me on this journey of talking about all the things I love about professional wrestling and news and gossipish and various trends and stuff like that. And I hope you continue to stay on this journey with me as I grow as a wrestling fan. And if this isn't your first time listening to the show, thank you for continuing to support me, the show, the brand and all of the above. So this episode is going to be a little bit different. I'm going to be talking about, of course, news and gossipish that happened during the week um, this past week. And I'm going to be talking about all of my feelings involving the Royal Rumble that was just that just passed a couple of weekends ago. There was a lot of crazy stuff that happened. So I did want to address my feelings about it because a lot of people were very opinionated about this Royal Rumble. Um, But I just wanted, you know, put in my two cents, you know, if I can. And then I'm going to talk about what I enjoyed in wrestling this week instead of doing a full weekly recap like I normally do. So with that in mind, sit back, relax and enjoy this episode of the hardy wrestling podcast um yeah welcome and enjoy yourself and chill out all right so here is news and gossipish for february for like the first week of february really like wow it's really the second month of the year already and it's black history month so there is that and of course i hope you've been enjoying if you follow me on social media on at hardy wrestling podcast and on twitter at hardy wrestle pod i hope you've been enjoying the posts that i've been making about um black history month and various people who have made history in terms of black wrestlers from the past present and the future i have been doing a lot of present wrestlers or a lot of past wrestlers who are who have since retired and stuff like that like today i did post about awesome kong um but i hope to post more about more black wrestlers of the past and you know of course give you know proper due to those of the present as well so um wherever you are i hope that you are if you are listening in the united states rather it is black history month and i hope that you are taking this time to really learn about the um to learn about the contributions of various african and african-american wrestlers around the country and even around the world um and i hope that you continue to do it all year round and not just confine it to just this one month but i am proud of this month seeing as um dr carter g woodson invented it and he and i graduated from the same um undergraduate college berea college shout out to them in kentucky so um it's always a proud time um to celebrate your heritage um, with that in mind, we're going to go to news and gossip-ish, and we're going to start by talking about Nia Jax, who has been, well, um, Lena Finene, who was formerly known as Nia Jax in the WWE before, of course, they released her. She's had a lot to say. She had a, a very interesting and revealing interview on um, Renee Paquette, aka Renee Young's um podcast called the sessions it's a really good show and she interviews a lot of people including a lot of wrestlers as well and naya one of the things that naya Jax did talk about was her talking about how it would hurt whenever people online would blame her for the injury of um certain superstars now of course she had gained this reputation 
um, from hurting, from either hurting some people. There was one instance where Kyrie Sane, who used to work for the company, um, was saying that she wasn't set. And then she threw her into, I believe, a turnbuckle during the first part of the pandemic era. And then, of course, there was the incident involving Becky Lynch in 2018 ahead of Survivor Series when she broke her nose um, by hitting her in the, by hitting her in the nose and then breaking it and then you and then Becky Lynch turned it into a moment where she had a bloody nose and a bloody face and she made the best of it and that's basically what propelled her into a level of stardom so um this was her talking about you know her hurting people and she said quote anybody who knows me in the locker room I know that I was so much bigger than everybody and I know that I'm a lot stronger she began by saying she said, Coach Sarah Amato, um, who works or at least maybe used to work in the PC, I'm not sure if she still works in the PC, had always said, you always have to be aware because you are so much bigger um, that you're throwing your arm and hitting somebody in the face is not going to be the same as somebody smaller than you. I was always conscious of that. I always tried to take pride. I worked with Lexi, Alexa Bliss. For most of my career, she's so tiny. She trusted me. It hurt when people were like, she injures everybody. In my career, I know I've injured two people. Obviously, Becky was one of them. There is another one. I don't want to call her out, but I know I did. I profusely apologized. Other things, they made like a whole YouTube about certain things. Hey, guess what? We get in there and we're going 300 days a year and not all my moves are going to look super clean and smooth, but I'm not injuring people or purposely going out to hurt people. That's what hurt me the most. I consciously make an effort to make sure I can make everybody look good and keep it safe and make sure we get we get all we all get out laughing and have a good time and all of that. But basically, she was trying to make sure that everybody was safe and she was reiterating that she wasn't it wasn't her intention to hurt people and stuff like that and I can say that there have been times where me and other people have probably come down on her hard in terms of her um in-ring quality in terms of how she may have hit people or injured people or stuff like that or maybe in some cases even injured herself you never know I mean wrestling is not necessarily this thing where you just you know do it and oh we're oh it's just something you just do and you just you know bounce off of it you know and just bounce back from it so easily like it is an athletic sport which you know I hate whenever anybody who doesn't know that much about wrestling will call it fake because it's definitely not fake and if it's done the wrong way you can hurt someone and you can hurt yourself and we did kind of come hard come down really hard on Nia Jax in the years in which she was a wrestler in WWE and I personally want to apologize for the moments where if there were any moments where I may have said anything mean or derogatory or kind of harsh about Nia Jax, you know, hurting someone or stuff like that. Um, or if I've even said anything on social media, I mean, I want to apologize for that. But at the same time, wrestling is a sport and in a sport you can get hurt and Beck, as she did say later on in the interview that Becky Lynch took it like a champ and basically wasn't, you know, tripping about it the way everybody else was. Like she said, no, it's OK, I'm fine. And then they took her straight to medical and um, they played it up, you know, for that Survivor Series in which Becky Lynch had to choose, um, chose Charlotte Flair to ultimately fight against Ronda Rousey, um, who was um, 
the Raw Women's Champion at the time for that Survivor Series. So either way, it wound up working out. And Nia Jax, of course, still wound up working for the company for a few more years until, of course, she got released. And she sounds like she's in a good place. She's in a healthy place. And she's happy um, even as she's still figuring out, you know, what's next. She's bought property and stuff um, in terms of, like, farming and everything. So Nia um slash lena seems like she's really in a good place and that's really all that matters but you know we're not wrestlers so it's kind of hard for us as fans and journalists to sort of talk about oh well they shouldn't have done this and they shouldn't have done that when we really don't know what it's like to be in a ring and don't know what it's like to hit somebody in, in terms of a combat sport like that so maybe we should just chill and give people a little bit of grace and that's what naya needs so I hope she's, you know, being her best self and living her best life since she's um, been gone. But I do kind of miss her, though. But yeah. And I and I then she also talked about how she they did try to call her for the Royal Rumble, but she said no. So go listen to that interview if you haven't had a chance. It's really good. Also in the news, we have Mustafa Ali, who, of course, a few weeks ago requested his release from WWE because he feels like the vision that he has for himself as a wrestler would not be greatly executed in WWE, so he requested it. But they it was revealed that the company has no plans to grant him that release and that and it was noted that value was a term used in the reasoning behind the decision to keep Ali under contract so in an update um Fightful Select reported that Ali actually has well over a year at least left on his WWE contract um but there's no word on the exact expiration date and then we also found out that um, uh, when a lot of people were asking him if he was going to be um, in the men's Royal Rumble, he tweeted and said, you know, he's not interested in being the Royal Rumble, but that he wants his release. So he is definitely not interested in participating in anything WWE has going on. He is ready to go. And there were people on social media who were tweeting and talking about, oh, well, you know, hashtag free Ali. Even on AEW this week, you had people out in front with signs that said hashtag free Ali and T-shirts that said hashtag free Ali, especially since they were in Chicago, which is where Mustafa Ali is, uh, is really from. So here's hoping that maybe if creative finds something for him to do that, maybe they can agree on it. But if he truly wants to be let go, they really just should let him go and just let him be happy wherever he's going to be at so yeah he's really talented and he deserves to show off you know whatever he has to show off you know for that time but yeah it's it's kind of hard because he's so good but you know it's okay also in the news we have um ronda rousey of course who came back and made her return in the women's royal rumble and i'll have and she um won the women's royal rumble and i'll have more to say about that later on in my um reactions to the royal rumble as a whole um but um she came back four months just four months after giving birth right and um she a lot of people were wondering you know some people were wondering how is it that she was able to come back so fast and everything but she took to twitter um to thank um ember moon who um well athena who was formerly known as ember moon um in the wwe before she got released and she tweeted her thanking her by saying thank you for helping me get ready for royal rumble 2022 at athena palmer underscore fg if you want to if you want her to train you too, check out her school the wrestling dojo.com 
So, um, Athena was one of the people who were let go from WWE last year and she was lost in the shuffle. And she is a free agent now after her um, 90 day non compete clause expired. And she's already booked in a match against an AEW wrestler, I believe, in another independent um, company. So, um, I'm glad to see that Athena is doing, is still, of course, training and helping people, you know, still um be the best wrestlers that they can be at her wrestling school and the sky's the limit for her career because it's like i always say wwe is not the end goal um you can wrestle and have success elsewhere so it seems like athena is well on her way for that but it's good to know that she was actually a part of the success that um ronda rousey shared and basked in at the royal rumble this um last saturday so that was cool um also um Athena released a statement um, talking talking about her WWE release on her Twitch channel. She um, said, without WWE, I wouldn't be where I am today. I got to travel the world, meet amazing people, and make amazing friends that are going to be with me for a lifetime. At the end of the day, I don't think it's all bad. Every time I look at the negatives, and there were plenty, trust me, the positives outweigh that. There is no use in being mad. I feel very sorry for my friends that did get let go too early. What I mean by that is those men and women that never got an opportunity to showcase themselves on the level that I know they can showcase themselves. That's part of the reason why I feel like it's not fair for me to come on here and bitch and moan and whine. It's not fair. Where I had the opportunity to wrestle on Raw, SmackDown, and NXT and become a champion and did a lot with my career. It's not fair when those of my friends barely got started. And she admitted that, of course, patience is a virtue in terms of her not being able to compete after her 90 days, which, of course, have passed. Um, And she said, I felt like a lot of self-reflection about what I could have done differently. I feel like I wouldn't have changed anything. I felt for some time I was just stagnant. There was no opportunity to grow at times. So... It's good to know that Athena slash Ember Moon isn't in a negative or bitter place about it. And it is valid for her to feel sorry for those superstars who were let go um, after working so hard and then were let go and didn't even have the chance to start. Um, Like, seriously, like there were a lot of people who didn't really have that much of a chance to start. Like Frankie Monet, she was in NXT and she had maybe one NXT Women's Championship match and she really didn't do that much. And you have, of course, all of Hit Row who got brought up to SmackDown and they got let go because of a whole bunch of other um, negative stuff. And it was just it was just it's just crazy when you see the amount of talent that they have let go of who never really had a chance. But I wish the very best for all those people, including um, Athena slash Ember Moon as well. Also in the news, um, in terms of news and gossipish, we have this crazy story about Shane McMahon and his WWE departure slash firing or whatever, which I think is funny because I never thought a McMahon could really be officially fired um, from the WWE, but it look it's looking like that's what happened. So, of course, we saw Shane McMahon in the Men's Royal Rumble match. And um, so Vince McMahon apparently reportedly decided to cancel creative plans for Shane. And he was and of course, it was reported about him being a surprise entrant in the Royal Rumble and was reportedly brought in to help produce the match as well. 
Um, and then after several apparent behind the scenes issues, Ringside News, who you have to take with a grain of salt these days, reported that Shane was quietly let go from WWE and Dave Meltzer, who else, who you also have to take with another grain of salt, confirmed the report. So, and also Wade Keller provided from PW Torch provided more information on what led to Shane essentially being removed from WWE. He said Shane was self-centered on the day of the Royal Rumble and was primarily worried about his own ideas and how he could look strong in the Rumble match. And he also stated that Shane pulled the McMahon card and went way overboard, which led to some pushback from some within the company. And also that Shane took issue with the plans in place for him at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view as he was originally supposed to be part of the chamber match for the WWE Championship. And it was at that point that Vince reportedly decided he had had enough and wrote Shane out of the plans for Elimination Chamber and WrestleMania. Now, we haven't really seen him fight. I mean, before the Royal Rumble this year, we hadn't seen Shane be involved in anything outside of with Braun Strowman, who has also been released. And um, this is really bizarre to me because... But then at the same time, everything can't be all about you. Like, there are like 29 other men in this match. And these 29 other men, a lot of them have, have <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of them have worked really hard, you know, to gain this opportunity in the Royal Rumble. And for you to be the producer, you know, and try to make everything about you, if any of this is really true, because of course this is gossip-ish and we don't necessarily know what's real and what's not. Because of course we're not backstage or whatever. We don't know everything. I don't know everything. But if this is um, true, it's not necessarily fair for you to make everything about you when you're the one producing it and you're trying to make yourself look good. Because in wrestling, something that I'm learning is that it's a lot, of, what you're doing a lot of is you're doing what you can to make the other person look good it's a team effort and anytime you take that narcissistic view and try to put it on yourself it's just kind of like it just doesn't make you look good and if that's what led to him being possibly let go from the company then I don't necessarily blame them but at the same time there's always two sides to every story and the truth is always in the middle so it's a shame because a lot of people really love Shane McMahon because at the end of the day on television, we always love to see the McMahons on TV because they've been in front of us our whole lives. Um, but, you know, it's really a shame. And I hope that they can figure stuff out and, you know, have peace and stuff. But this isn't really the first time Shane McMahon has been sort of in and out of um, WWE in terms of, you know, beefing and a difference of interest and stuff like that. So maybe they'll come to peace and then they'll figure everything else out. Hopefully. Um, also in the news, we had the, um, um, you had Patrick Clark, aka formerly known as the Velveteen Dream, who was one of my favorite wrestlers in NXT and somebody who I really thought had a lot of potential to be a top star, but got let go due to some crazy stuff. He spoke with, um, a show called Dishing Drama with Dana Wilkie about what happened in WWE to lead to him being let go. Um, and he addressed the accusations that were put against him towards the end of his career. And this included the claims that he sent a naked photo to an underage fan. And he said, well, first of all, I think they got my nude, my personal private picture. I think they got it from someone off the Internet. I'm trying to get laid like everybody else. I'm not going to sit here 
I try to represent myself well. Essentially, I sent a, um, he basically said a penis pic, sorry guys, um, over Tinder, but he didn't say a penis pic. Um, he said not just Tinder, but there are plenty of dating apps out there. And again, I'm trying to get laid like anybody else, which is a very personal thing to say, um, in an interview, but okay. Um, I've been with WWE since I was 18. And again, if you know me, I take my job very seriously. There have been plenty of times where I have given up the opportunity to go and hang with friends in nice cities just because I'm exhausted, not just from all the thought that I would put in, but the physical wear and tear. At the end of the day, I want somebody to keep me warm too. I'd like to invite someone to my bed. And if I've got to send a picture to do that, that's what I'm doing. But it's important to understand that I am not sending this to anyone on Reddit. I am not sending this to anyone underage. And I am most certainly not using my verified social media that is only to represent my WWE character to solicit anything from anyone. Whether it be sex, money, it doesn't matter. And he also claimed um, that the company tried to come up with a different way to use him Um which would have been like the Velveteen Dream appearing in a mask and not speaking at all. Um, He also said, just so you know, WWE definitely considered bringing me in with a mask and having me not speak. So I have definitely had some ideas in the back pocket for something like that. When it came to the allegations made against him, WWE opted not to mention anything on camera when the Velveteen Dream was brought back. However, that isn't what he wanted to do as he hoped to talk about it. He wanted, he said that he wanted to address it. WWE didn't want to even touch it. But I felt like if you're going to be on TV in this day and age, you have to at least shed some type of light on it. You don't have to go into detail, but you should definitely address it because you do have that audience that is always going to want an answer. Um, And this is interesting because with, he released one statement and it was very vague. It was like a really big pamphlet and it was really vague. But at the same time, him talking about it on this interview, um, I think a lot of what happened was the fact that there were a lot of people on social media um, who were still pushing for him to get fired just because he was accused. And I know that it's kind of, and this was also in light of the speaking out movement as well. And there were a lot of people who were, you know, getting revealed to have, you know, underhanded tactics as to how they treated women in terms of wrestling, you know, backstage and at work and stuff like that. And all of those people were, you know, were basically, you know, handled and not, I don't want to say thrown away, but released and WWE didn't have anything to do with it. Like that was a part of the reason why NXT UK had to go through a revamping period because a lot of their stars were were revealed to have to have done some of those terrible things in the speaking out movement and something that i thought was really funny was the fact that when it came to the whole speaking out movement a lot of people in wwe who had anything to do with that um or were investigated and they found something of them they were immediately let go but even with the people who were investigated and nothing was found with the Velveteen Dream being one of them, there was there were people still pushing for him to get fired. And it's strange to me 
because you have a publicly traded company and I know they've done some underhanded things in the past and I'm not even going to pretend that WWE hasn't done anything crazy in the past because they have but in this day and age seeing as this is 2022 and this is a publicly traded company um why in the world and then with them investigating people and getting rid of the people who actually had something evil going on why would they not do that you know for velveteen dream and then he was still on television but even then people were still hoping for him to get fired it was just really weird for me because it was almost like i didn't know what to truly believe it's like i still wanted to hold out hope that maybe patrick clark wasn't doing all this crazy stuff and sending his pictures to underage children but then there was still you know the groundswell of people who were still pushing for him to get fired which ultimately happened and it's so sad because he worked so hard you know his entire life like since he was 18 to you know be on wwe he was on tough enough like um the same way that mandy and sonya were like if not the same season they were on there and he had been working really hard to craft this character and this character was everything but it was all taken down all because you know he posted his pictures and stuff like that um and somebody took it and made it a thing but I don't condone any form of abuse, especially any form of sexual abuse. I really don't. Um, but at the same time, if nothing about you was found to be guilty, then why were we still crucifying him? That's all I'm saying. But I really hope that somewhere down the line, he can, you know, find his way back to wrestling and still be um, the star that we know that he can be um in a healthy way so yeah it's it's crazy but we'll see also in the news we have keith lee who got married today so congratulations to him and mia yim for um getting married today because somebody released a picture of them and they looked so beautiful um so keith lee who is now a free agent who also got released from wwe sadly enough um is reportedly expected to sign with AEW, according to Dave Meltzer, of course. Um, there have been discussions regarding um, Keith Lee joining AEW and that he may have already signed a contract. Um, if you may or may not know, Keith Lee was released in November and that his 90-day compete clause has expired um, as of Wednesday. And it's so sad for me because he, there was so much that he could have done in WWE and so much, of course, that his wife could have done as well um like this dude was an nxc champion he was an nxc north american champion at the same time um there were a lot of great moments that he gave us in the black and gold brand at that time so to watch him get let go was really devastating but at the same time i mean what are you really going to do after that point so if he does decide to sign with aw i won't necessarily blame him because hey that's a tv deal that's money that's something that you're used to and hey do what makes you happy um, so if he does pop up on AEW next week, two weeks from now, whenever, it will be cool. So I'm just here for the success of Keith Lee at this point because he's limitless. And I hope he gets another theme song that's just as cool as the one he had in NXT because haha, that was awesome. That was very, very whimsical. And congratulations to him and Miriam again on their nuptials. Love is in the air everywhere you look around. Um <laughs> And finally, in the news, you have AEW 
um, being set to release their um, album called, I believe, what is it? Yeah, called Who We Are, A Celebration of Excellence, Volume 1. Um, it's going to arrive on February the 18th, Friday, February the 18th. And this is in celebration of Black History Month. They have a lot of different people on the album in music who are legends in music and those who are just getting started, um, who are part of the album to help tell the stories of many of their, many of AEW's African-American um, roster members. So Mikey Ruckus, who is AEW's in-house producer, executive produced the um the their first full-length album and Bootsy Collins appears on the introduction of the um album as well which I think is cool because he was sprinkled throughout the Silk Sonic album um an evening with Silk Sonic so I think that's pretty interesting that he's just getting around like that but hey I'm never gonna say no to Bootsy Collins baby so <laughs> um basically it was said that um by Patty Collins, Bootsy's wife and president of the Bootsy Collins Foundation, that Bootsy helped define um, early on what it meant to be an inter- a black entertainer in America, and that Bootsy's involvement in this project is a perfect convergence of the past, present, and future, and we are grateful to have the chance to continue inspiring future musicians as the album's beneficiary. So the album, A Celebration of Excellence, will be available exclusively in hard copy format on shopaew.com before hitting streaming platforms at a later date. And it proceeds of the sale of the project will benefit the Boosie College Foundation, which works to inspire, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals from all backgrounds through music. Um, and Mikey Ruckus released a statement saying, one key aspect of my role in AEW is to deliver a multifaceted audio experience for fans that delves into the essence of the characters they see on screen every week, as well as the stories behind the individuals who bring these characters to life. So I'm really looking forward to hearing this. And he also said who we are is like a bunch of 30 for 30 episodes for AEW's black wrestlers. Releasing this project during Black History Month in a format that is authentic to the culture and resonates in a familiar manner while also while allowing these incredible talents to share their personal journeys is a special is special for everyone involved. And it includes contributions from artists like John Connor, Mega Ran, um, who I learned about on an episode of a Jobber Tears podcast. Shout out to them. Brinson, Omega Sparks, Mont Easy, who actually did the Jobber Tears theme song (laughs) shout out to him and josiah williams who did their remix of their theme song and did my theme song as well so and then of course max caster and sunny kiss will be featured on the album as well so i'm really looking forward to listening to this album and hearing the stories of a lot of the people who are on the um on the aw roster who identify as black and I'm also looking forward to watching AEW, you know, reach out more so to black people in their fan base as well, because diversity is something that they have struggled with in the past. So I am looking forward to them doing more to reach out to us in terms of a fandom as well. So it's going to be cool. And I'm really looking forward to all the talent that's on the album as well. So that's going to be cool. So yeah, that's all for news and gossipish. And now I'm going to go into talking about my feelings about this past Royal Rumble.
All right. So now we've reached a part of the podcast where I talk about my feelings about the Royal Rumble from 2022. Of course, the Royal Rumble um, holds a special place in my heart because it was the 2020 Royal Rumble that basically set um, the set the road to the start of me starting the wrestling podcast this was shortly before the pandemic hit we had no clue what was on the horizon even though that day was already a crazy day to begin with um but that royal rumble and then all the other things basically coalesced to helping me start the hardy wrestling podcast as it exists now and um the Royal Rumble has a special place in my heart, but this one had me all up in my feelings in terms of like a lot of complications. A lot of people won, a lot of people lost, and a lot of people were angry about the people who won and lost. And I had to really sit with it for a while before I decided to come on this platform and talk about how I felt about everything. So I'm going to talk about all the stuff that um, I really liked. And I did kind of like well first of all i did kind of like the match involving the the grit couple that's edge and beth phoenix versus um the id couple with miz and um reese like i was really surprised to see a lot of the stuff that maurice was doing um considering during her time as a diva and then um during the divas era and, a div- and as a two-time divas champion there was a lot of athleticism that they weren't necessarily allowed to show during that time. So to see her be able to adapt um, to what would make a great wrestling match or a mixed tag team match now, it was still pretty fascinating to see. And I really feel like, you know, she did a pretty good job, you know, given that she was, she was probably, um, the least experienced and that's no shade of her but the least experienced you know in the match she did what she had to do even though she kept running from beth a lot of the time but there were a couple of spots where i did enjoy you know her and her athleticism and of course the miz was gonna miz and edge was gonna edge and seeing beth venus back in the ring was really cool too like it made me and then i loved how their how both of both teams gears matched like the id couple came out dressed in all red looking like blood like looking like like a fresh like a fresh pitcher of kool-aid like they were looking so pretty and then you had um, Edge and Beth Phoenix come out dressed in blue leather and stuff like that. And then you had Beth Phoenix paying tribute to Luna Vachon with her makeup and everything. Like, it was absolutely gorgeous. And I just love that because I just love it when couples match. So, I really enjoyed that match. And the right people won there. Um, but this was, you know, mainly a fun match here. Um, which was basically an extension of the Edge and the Miz feud that started at the very beginning of the year um which led to day one and stuff so i enjoyed it for what it was um and it also made me miss mixed match challenge if you may or may not remember what that is that was when um the wwe network was a thing and then after smackdown would go off they would show um about maybe a half hour or maybe an hour show on the wwe network where they would have um teams you know fight in this tournament to sort of win money for um for the charity of their choice and stuff so basically that was what was going on and it's really cool 
and I really enjoyed um, that match. And I really hope that somewhere down the line, if they care about our feelings, the mixed match challenge would come back. But all in all, I enjoyed the it couple versus the grit couple. Now, when the pay-per-view started, it started with Seth Rollins versus Roman Reigns for the Universal title. And when it came to this feud, a part of me was really hoping that maybe it wouldn't be Seth that would be fighting Roman. A part of me really wanted it to be Big E, simply because of the fact that Big E, you know, ate the pin at day one um, and lost his title to Brock Lesnar, which means that he's the second New Day member to lose um, to lose the WWE title to Brock Lesnar next to Kofi Kingston. Um, but Big E fought valiantly in that match. And it's just like, even though he wasn't able to um, qualify to get another opportunity for the WWE title because they went with Brock versus Bobby and stuff, and I'll talk about that later, it was just, I was hoping it would be Big E, but nope, it was Seth Rollins. And, if, and something that did irritate me during their feud was just the fact that Seth Rollins just kept talking about how Roman Reigns, you know, needed help to get where he is now as the tribal chief. But at the same time, Seth is also acting like we didn't see him running up with the authority and stabbing um, Dean Ambrose slash John Moxley and Roman Reigns in the back all that time, which they did address on the SmackDown before the Royal Rumble and how Roman really didn't forgive um, Seth Rollins for that. So Seth was really trying to get in his head by playing with his emotions so after Roman made his entrance, you know, by himself, because the Usos couldn't be by his side at ringside because they lost their match. Um, and of course, Paul Heyman, you know, wasn't by his side either. But we'll get to that later, too. He was out there by himself. So Seth Rollins decided to make an entrance. But it wasn't just any entrance, not his normal entrance where he's out there with a crazy suit and telling everybody to sing his song. No, he came out there with the shield music. And dressed up in shield gear. And it was the most pettiest thing I had ever seen. Ever happen in WWE so far. Like oh my god. I just never saw anything like that before. Like I grabbed my chest as I was watching it with my boyfriend. I was just like oh my god. The emotional damage. It was too much. It was just so petty. And Jock, my boyfriend, shout out to him. He actually said, okay, Roman has to shoot him now. Because this is just too much. <laughs> and other people shared that sentiment online as well. But it was really funny. But, um, and then you had Roman just kind of staring at him like he had the audacity to do that to him. And the story that was being told was like, you know, you could tell that it really did get to him. But after that point... Their match was pretty good, but I hated the way that it ended. Like, it was really good. They were able... It was like Seth was able to had an answer for everything that Roman had going on. But it was just like the way that it ended when, with Roman choking Seth out and Seth reaching the rope but not being able to lift his hands at the end. It felt very unfinished to me. And my thing is, it's like... It feels like every other fight that Roman has had, whether he's had help or not, it's always ended in a decisive manner. And for this one to not end in a decisive manner just kind of left me a little bit disappointed. But I was still happy that Roman Reigns still won because I just can't imagine Roman being a tribal chief without the universal title. He's the tribal chief and the head of the table and the king of us all. So I just don't want to see him lose it. So like, yeah. But it's looking like he just might because of all the stuff that took place afterward. But 
And it's looking like Seth might be, you know, sniffing for him, maybe. But he did kind of go back on Raw this past Monday, and it looked like maybe he's not going after him anymore. Um, but he's more so going after Bobby um, for Elimination Chamber. So, yeah, it's just pretty strange how this is happening now. But either way, um, the psychology of the match was really good. And the mind games of the match was really good. But I just, overall, I just hated how it ended. But, you know, y'all don't care about my feelings. They've made that clear. So, it's okay. Um, then we had <laughs> um, Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley. And this match was sort of everything you kind of hoped it would be. Outside of the ending, of course. Because you had, this was like a dream match that a lot of people have been sort of fantasy booking for a very long period of time. Because a lot of people really felt like um, Bobby was Brock's equal in terms of athleticism and in terms of um, past accolades in various forms of athletic, in, in various forms of sports, you know, in terms of, you know, them wrestling in high school or wrestling, you know, in college. And um, it just seemed like they had a lot of, st- a lot of parallels when it comes to their athleticism and a lot of people were wondering you know how would that go and so we were able to see this here and the match was really really good like I was enjoying it I was enjoying these big beefy men these big meaty men slapping meat like it was really good (laughs) um but the way it ended really surprises me in the sense that you had like Roman Reigns coming out there to punch freaking um Brock Lesnar and then the referee was knocked out simply because of Brock Lesnar giving Bobby Lashley a suplex and them bumping into him the referee or whatever and then after that point you're sort of just wondering what's gonna go on now and Roman punched punched Brock in the face basically screwed him over and then in a surprising but not surprising turn of events you had Paul Heyman hand Roman Reigns the WWE championship and basically like hit Brock in the head with it and Bobby capitalized off of that and pinned Brock Lesnar in order to become the new WWE champion and this left Brock Lesnar seething and then on top of that Paul Heyman walked away with Roman Reigns with his prayer hands as if to say you're my tribal chief and I'm with you now and not with Brock and oh my god this story I know there are a lot of people who feel like it might get boring or stale but it still interests me in the sense that it's it's like Paul Heyman for all of for how brilliant he is as a wrestling mind and as a businessman he is being portrayed this is like the perfect Um, portrayal of an abused lover who just escaped an abusive relationship only to turn back and this isn't and I guess this should be like a trigger warning or something and I'm really sorry if I'm bringing back some horrible memories for you if you're listening to this but it's just Paul is really giving off the impression that he was in an abusive relationship with Roman and he left that abusive relationship to go back to his one true love, who is Brock, but then left Brock because he felt like everything was going to be good with Roman again. Like, oh, he's changed and all this other stuff. And it's just so sad. But, you know, we'll talk about everything that happened on SmackDown later. But Jesus Christ, it doesn't stop interesting me. 
I still think it's interesting. Like it is just, it is like the juiciest soap opera on the planet. Like it's just really good. So Papa Paul needs to get himself together. Um, and Roman Reigns is just going to be evil, but he's gorgeous and evil. And I'm just going to be here for it. <laughs> that sounds so bad, but that's just where I am in life right now. Um, yeah, just send me good vibes and good energy. But either way, that's just where I am right now. Roman is still the universal champion and Brock lost his title, but he somehow got another um, opportunity on Monday and we'll get to that. But yeah, like that was crazy. And then you had Becky Lynch versus Dewdrop for the Raw Women's Championship. And the way it was like, this one was placed, I believe, like, I don't know. I forgot exactly where this was placed on the card, but it was placed in a really awkward space. Like, I, oof, where was it? I believe it was right after the Women's Royal Rumble. Yeah. And it was just you know it was just there and it makes me sad because dewdrop slash piper niven is probably one of the best female wrestlers that they have and she did so good in the may young classic and so much stuff like that but it wasn't exactly the best match on there and for it to be Becky Lynch and for it to be Dewdrop and stuff. And you kind of knew exactly how it was going to go simply because of the fact that it's WrestleMania season and Becky Lynch isn't just going to lose to Dewdrop, even though Dewdrop did, you know, present herself as an imposing threat, but it just wasn't exactly, it didn't hit or tick all the boxes that I thought it would. And I hate to say that, but that's just kind of how I felt about that match. Becky won and that's just it so yeah I wish they could present Dewdrop a little bit better than they have but you know that's just where we are and when it comes to the women's Royal Rumble I enjoyed it very much in the sense I was really happy to see a lot of the older people that came back um Sasha Banks came out as number one for the second time in a row because she came out as number one in the very first um, women's Royal Rumble um and of course when she came out for the first Women's Royal Rumble she was dressed up like Wonder Woman this time this year she was dressed up like Sailor Moon and it was the most perfect perfect gear I had ever seen Mikazi knows her and it's like of course because they're married to each other but at the same time it's just like when he designs stuff for everybody else he does give them that flair and stuff but when it comes to his queen his lady he's gonna make sure she comes out there looking right and she did that sailor moon gear was so beautiful it was everything it needed to be she had the hair barrettes and everything like she had the skirt her boots looked like the sailor moon the red sailor moon boots and everything like it was just so cute and even like her sasha banks on the back of her trunks you know was in the design of the sailor moon logo like it was just really nice so i was happy that she was able to do that and then the fact that in number two, you had Melina, that made me so happy too, because I hadn't, I didn't think I would ever see Melina in the WWE again. And the fact that she was there, even though it was short and she got eliminated really quickly, that's something I really hated though. Um, but I was really happy to see Melina and the fact that this Royal Rumble was in St. Louis 
And St. Louis has a special place in my heart because that's where I actually met Melina and actually met Mickey James um, during NWA Empower Weekend. Like, the fact that those two were there and in St. Louis and then they went on to do and be a part of this Women's Royal Rumble match, you know, in St. Louis, it was almost like I literally said that St. Louis and women's wrestling just have good juju because I was just so happy to see her and then her gear was really cute and she did the split and I was just like come on Melina come on like I hope at some point she does she is open to coming back to WWE like part-time or even full-time because I just I was really intrigued to see Melina versus Sasha Banks but Melina got eliminated really fast and then Sasha Banks proceeded to show everybody that she could hit a split to much to the happiness of a lot of men and probably women too so it was really interesting and I was just like oh come on Sasha show you show what you can do in terms of splits and stuff um that was cool but I just really hated that Melina got kicked out and then you had Michelle McCool come back of course and then you had Ivory come back but it wasn't regular Ivory it was right to censor Ivory and a lot of what she was saying kind of fits a lot of what a lot of old school or more so conservative women would say to women now who they feel like are kind of just a little bit too freer are liberal with themselves and their bodies and stuff but that's why she got eliminated so quick but at the same time it was still funny but and then of course you had impact knockouts champion mickey james come back and be a part of it too and i never thought i would hear the song hardcore country in wwe but it was so cool and i'm glad that she lasted as long as she did in that match too I was kind of hoping maybe she would win just because of the fact that she made it sound so intriguing on the Impact um, episode before the Royal Rumble where she was talking about how cool it would be if she did win and then make it title for title depending on who she decided to face. That would have been interesting as F, but that didn't happen. And But it's okay because at least she can say that she did it and she made history on behalf of Impact and history on behalf of women's wrestling as a whole. That woman just does not stop doing great things she is a goat of our time and i will die on that hill and i'm just so proud of mickey james i'm so proud of her i'll never stop being proud of her she's so cool um and i love that cameron um from the funkadactyls came back when her girl buy gear and the fact that she was out there and then sonya deville decided to mess with her and then naomi came back to check on her and then she proceeded to eliminate sonya but then sonya was still messing with naomi basically further like furthering their feud and i'm just like girl i'm sick of you like naomi already beat sonya in a one-on-one match like what else does sonya have for her like, I'm just really tired of Sonya just acting like she has such a problem with her and not respecting her just because, you know, she's in charge and abusing her power. Like, I'm really sick of it. Like, I just hate it. Like, and then for her to even come up with a cockamamie reason as if to say she doesn't like her, like, oh, yeah, you're just this girl with main character energy and I don't like it. Girl, no, it's something deeper than that and it's just getting on my nerves but and I also hate how Naomi can't attack her with a jacket on but then somebody else who came back was able to attack her with a jacket on um and I'll talk about that in Smackdown but it was just annoying as heck um and I was really happy to see um Alicia Fox back um in the Royal Rumble match as well 
even though a lot of people were kind of disrespecting her and not saying, oh, she's not an, a legend and all the other mess. No, like, she's really good. And I just feel like a lot of her personal demons got in her way. But all in all, she will always be the first black divas, first and only black divas champion. And nobody could ever take that away from her. She's amazing. And yeah. And then I loved how her and the Bella twins had their little team Bella moment, but then they proceeded to eliminate her out of the match. I was like, God dang. And of course, Bianca Belair was there. And that was one of the, my main people who I was rooting for to possibly win um, and have like and be like a two time Royal Rumble winner. But alas, she didn't win because Charlotte has to rain on everybody's parade. And she had to be, you know, the next to last person left in the match. Um, yeah, like I just really enjoyed this, the women's Royal Rumble match. It was really good. And then the fact is Zelina Vega, Queen Zelina eliminated Sasha Banks. Like that's something I did not expect at all. And I love Zelina's gear as well. Cause I know it had some, it's a warrior from Naruto whose name I can't remember um, right now, but at the same time, I know who the warrior is. Um, it was a warrior who successfully fought against like over 20 men or something like that. Oh, because my boyfriend showed it to me. But her gear was amazing. And I was really happy to see her, you know, have that moment and eliminate Sasha, even though I love Sasha and stuff. But it's okay. Um, Ronda Rousey came back. And there had been rumors and rumblings going going on about it for like all that week but I didn't necessarily lean into them that much it's like I had seen them but I didn't necessarily want to believe it until I saw it because of course you know dirt sheets can say things but those things aren't doesn't necessarily mean just because they say it doesn't necessarily mean it's true so I was gonna wait and see because um I thought this was kind of poetic in the sense that when it came to the first women's royal rumble that Oscar won and Oscar had the opportunity to face either Charlotte or Alexa Bliss. Ronda Rousey made her debut at the first at um after the women's Royal Rumble that year. And then she decides to participate this year. And just only a few months ago, she had had her baby with her husband. And congratulations to her and him for that. But I just wasn't expecting her to participate in the match. Like I was hoping that if she was going to return, that maybe she would return um, during the pay-per-view, but not necessarily like in the match. But when she um, became a part of the Women's Royal Rumble match, it was kind of apparent to me what was about to happen. And that bummed me out because I was really hoping that maybe, just maybe somebody else was going to win who had actually been in the company for a long period of time or like with or actually trying to win a championship match that you know that really was looking to beat either Becky or Charlotte and that's not to say that Ronda doesn't necessarily deserve it because she still has beef with them from the last time we saw them fight but that was like WrestleMania 35 years ago a lot has changed um but I didn't necessarily like as much as I love Ronda Rousey and I loved her first run um, when she was a Raw Women's Champion and a lot of the matches that she did have, like especially the one that she had with Sasha and then a couple of other matches that she had, I didn't necessarily feel like it was necessary for her to win 
wow i didn't necessarily feel like it was necessary for that's that's a lot but i didn't (laughs) i didn't feel like it was necessarily the best move for her to win the royal rumble i wanted maybe bianca belair to win a second time even though she's okay without it or maybe Liv morgan to win um the royal rumble because she had never won it or maybe even mickey james like those were really my my top three picks to win and naomi was my fourth pick to win but the idea that ronda won it when just off of her name alone she could just challenge somebody and just do it was just kind of it it kind of made me a little bit sad but i won't you know say that i outright you know hate that ronda rousey is there and that she sucks and all this other stuff like that's not how i feel because i was a fan of ronda rousey in the ufc and i thought it would be cool if she did um when she was talking about her wrestling fandom and if she did decide to come to wwe i was going to be welcoming to it because i actually loved her um and her fighting style and how she was able to adapt so well you know to the wrestling style back then and even her debut match, you know, with Kurt Angle when she fought against Triple H and Stephanie in WrestleMania New Orleans that time. I thought that was cool. But, yeah, no one's going to ever get me to, you know, I don't I don't hate Ronda Rousey. I just don't. I love Ronda Rousey. Um, but she won, and now um, she had an opportunity to choose who she was going to face. And she chose Charlotte. So she's going to fight Charlotte at WrestleMania. So I think that's going to be interesting to see. I'm not mad about it. Whatever. That's going to be the match. It's cool. It's money. Fine. It's whatever. I'm cool with it. And then with the Men's Royal Rumble, this is the one I hated the most. Because Brock Lesnar basically pulled a Becky Lynch. Even though Becky Lynch did take Lana's spot because Lana was injured or whatever um, in that Royal Rumble that she wound up winning. It's just like he pulled a Becky Lynch and basically inserted himself as number 30 and eliminated a bunch of people, including Bad Bunny, in order to win. And Johnny Knoxville was cool in the match, too, even though he wound up getting eliminated or whatever. But and I love seeing Bad Bunny in the match because, oh, my God, it was just really cool because I didn't think he would have time to come back in the midst of his tour and everything. But he really did make the time to come back and he hit the Bunny Destroyer on Matt Riddle. And that was so cool. And I literally feel like when it comes to celebrities in WWE, he has he's bar none has to be the greatest celebrity wrestler of all time and it's not even close it's not even close bad bunny is literally the best celebrity wrestler of all time because he actually did what a lot of people like like bow wow and soldier boy claimed they would do but didn't have the actual passion to do it like bad bunny did this and he is living his dream and it is so cool so big ups to bad bunny i i love that he surprised everybody and actually you know participating in it and yeah and then shane mcmahon came back but then that was a whole thing that i don't even want to discuss at this point so but i discussed it in news and gossip so it's whatever but yeah, Brock Lesnar wound up winning the Royal Rumble and then he gets and he got to choose who he's going to face. And he chose Roman Reigns, but then even though he chose Roman Reigns to fight for the Universal title to get his revenge and stuff, it's like he inserted himself into the Elimination Chamber match um 
for the WWE Championship, you know, that Brock Lesnar is in. And now Seth Rollins and Riddle and someone else is in too. So it's just kind of like, what's the point in that? Like, why are you being greedy? Like, stop. Like, it just gets on my nerves. But yeah, that's pretty much how I felt about this year's Royal Rumble. It was kind of a lot of hits and misses for me. But at the same time, um, I'm not angry that Rum- that uh, Ronda Rousey won it. I just really would have preferred for somebody else to win it. So, I mean, whatever. Like, Ronda Rose to WrestleMania. I'm going to still be excited for it regardless. So, here we are. So that's all. Um, those are all of my feelings about the Royal Rumble. And now we're going to go into our weekly recaps. All right. So in a little bit of a change, I do want to talk about and recap some of the stuff last week that I did like in wrestling in light of the Royal Rumble and some of the stuff that I didn't like. Um, I only watched a little bit of Raw. I was only able to watch a little bit of Raw because I wasn't feeling well. So I actually wound up going to sleep on like, say, I believe right around 830 was where I went to sleep on Raw. But something that I didn't necessarily like about Raw was the fact that Brock Lesnar sort of finessed his way into the Elimination Chamber match with um, Bobby Lashley as the champion and with Seth Rollins, Riddle, and I believe... um, Kevin Owens as a part of the Elimination Chamber uh, match. I felt weird about him finessing his way into that after he made clear that he was going to be facing Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. And I understand giving him something to do or whatever. Um, And of course, you know, feeding into the idea that um, a lot of people in Saudi Arabia sort of like a lot of um, they like something that draws them to it is a little bit like nostalgia of older wrestlers and stuff like that but at the same time I still felt weird about that and I was just like bro you just wanted to remember why we got to deal with you doing this too um trying to win another title on top of it and it's just kind of like what what what's the end goal here like are you trying to beat Bobby yet again and um have that title and then beat Roman for his title and possibly combine the titles or just hold both of them and be Brock two belts or what like it's just getting on my nerves at this point it's like we already had to deal with you beating Big E um because you got put in that um fatal four-way and it got turned to a fatal five-way due to Roman Reigns having COVID and stuff which was nothing that anybody could do but still it was just it just feels like he's just sort of you know just planting his foot everywhere and just you know tracking himself everywhere and it's just like bro like at what point are we just gonna like chill out on him a little bit but that's where we are now so it's whatever um so yeah and then something that I did like was the idea that that Ronda Rousey came back but a lot of people weren't really that excited about it um and then she came back on Raw and addressed the idea that she could have the option of choosing Charlotte or choosing Becky Lynch and in the midst of that um Becky Lynch wound up being challenged by Lita at Elimination Chamber which I think is really cool because this is a dream match that a lot of people a lot of wrestling fans online have been talking about you know since I believe Becky was the person who eliminated Lita in the first Women's Royal Rumble match so I am really excited that this is happening 
Now, it would be cool if Lita were to win the, the Raw Women's title. And then we would have, be, like, maybe Bianca versus um Lita. But then I really feel like Becky might really be, might have um Lita's number. Because with... With everything that happened on SmackDown with Ronda choosing Charlotte officially um, for WrestleMania, Beck is going to need a WrestleMania opponent. And I feel like it really has to be Bianca because the writing is just definitely on the wall. Bianca has been beating everybody left and right. She was a sole survivor at Survivor Series. Like, she had a good showing in this Royal Rumble match, even though she did not win. But at the same time, it's just like... She really wants to avenge those 26 seconds and prove that she really can um, beat, beat, beat Becky. And it's clear that Becky just keeps ducking her because that was how Dewdrop was able to con to be a number one contender for that title. So it's just it's, it's literally the, the writing is literally on the wall for Bianca to have another opportunity to either main event of the rest be a main event of WrestleMania again or just basically just you know have a really great match with Becky and beat her for that title and it would just be really cool and it would be vengeance for that SummerSlam hiccup that we all just absolutely hate so yeah that's cool um I also really liked on NXT 2.0 how uh, Mandy Rose came out with Toxic Attraction and they were all being you know their regular hot selves and everything but Mandy was talking about how she basically rules the division at this point and she was challenged by Kaylee Ray but um Kaylee Ray was basically saying that she wants an opportunity at the title, but she kept telling her no. But weirdly enough, um, as Kaylee Ray was acting like she was going to attack her, Toxic Attraction ran away and then they went backstage, you know, into an SUV, not knowing that Kaylee Ray was the one who was driving the SUV with the other two girls in it. So Gigi and JC were basically, you know, taken away while Mandy Rose just you know watched it and throughout the episode she was running away from Kaylee Ray with her baseball bat and everything because Kaylee was not stopping wasn't stopping at all to um wasn't like she was gonna do anything she could to pot to possibly get herself a title shot and she even went as far as to chasing Mandy Rose around and Mandy Rose even fell into the arms of um not Idris Enofe, but his partner Malik Blade, who apparently has a really big crush on her, which I think is really funny. Um, but he, but she was saying, look, you have to help me. You have to help me. But she just kept running away. And just when she thought she got away from her, um, that was when she stopped in the kitchen and sat down. But then Kaylee Ray actually attacked her with a bowl of spaghetti. <laughs> and poured it all over her really cute outfit that looks like she got it from fashion nova but it's whatever it was still cute and then she threw cake on her and everything and then she was running away even more to the point to where they finally met back up in the ring and kaylee ray was saying you know like give me my match and finally mandy rose acquiesced um kaylee ray's um 
wishes and now they both and now um they're both set to fight each other either next week or within the next two weeks maybe a vengeance day i'm not sure i forgot but i am happy about that i think that's going to be interesting to see how um mandy rose's improvements as an athlete will actually stack up against kaylee ray and her um strong style in terms of you know the uk and then just the fact that she's going to be fighting one of the longest reigning you know women's champions in the modern era in terms of you know the nxt uk women's title so that's going to be really interesting and i'm interested in that and then something else that i love on nxt 2.0 was the fact that we we saw more of wendy chu um i know a lot of people were kind of weirded out by the idea of her character just kind of running around and sleeping or whatever but at the same time there was more to her than just being the sleepy girl who drinks water or whatever type of herbal teas that she used in order for her to take a nap and in her match you know in the last few matches that she's had even with this week where she was fighting amari miller it was you know really cool because amari well, first of all, Amari Miller was paid by Tiffany Stratton to beat up on Wendy Chu because I guess she thinks Wendy Chu is lame or weird or whatever. Um, and she said, look, if you beat her, then I will take you on a shopping spree, you know, and then I'll give you this credit card because she's a rich, she's a rich little daddy's girl. So Amari Miller said yes. And so that that's what led to this match with Wendy Chu. And I just really love the fact that Wendy Chu utilizes all of her sleeping tactics. Like she uses sleeping poses to sort of go into um, wrestling moves. And I think that is just the cutest thing. And it's really, it really shows dedication to her sleeping character. And I really enjoy it. And she's just really cute. And she's just, I just love it. Like it's really cool. And I know this is going to lead up to um, her and Tiffany Stratton, you know, inevitably fighting against each other but i'm here for it and tiffany stratton's character is really cool too but at the same time it, it really gives me like barbie vibes um as a former girl who really loved barbie dolls back in the day i think it's really cool to see that happen in a sense it's like a barbie mixed in with clueless but then mixed in with an athlete as well so it's cute and i can't wait to see what they're able to do um and then, of course, I love Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. Like, that's literally it. Like, I will always love them. Like, there is nothing that they can do wrong at this point. Like, they're great. They're, they're just really, really great. Um, yeah. And then as far as SmackDown goes, something else that kind of... that Something else that I quasi-liked, but then quasi-kind of didn't like was just the idea that Ricochet um, fought Ridge Holland in a one-on-one -on -one match and wound up winning said match but then having but then they booked another tag team match with Ricochet and Cesaro having to fight Sheamus and Ridge Holland only for them to lose and I think that kind of under undermined Ricochet's you know much needed victory because he had been losing over the past couple of weeks and just the idea of them you know losing like that him losing right after he won was just kind of like bro like y'all really don't care about Ricochet at all Y'all care nothing about his feelings. And I'm just like, if y'all gonna find something for Ricochet to do, just give him something else. Because this feud really isn't doing it for me at all. And then something else I liked was the fact that Aaliyah found another way to beat Natalia. Um, 
who is really irritated at the idea that Aaliyah has, you know, a record over her in terms of beating her in 3.17 seconds, Aaliyah 3.17. And she beat her via count out, but something that's going to come out of this is the fact that next week, um, Natalia and Aaliyah are set to fight on SmackDown yet again, but this time in a dungeon style match where it's only pinfall or submission. And I know that Aaliyah has been training in NXT for such a long period of time before she was called up to the main roster. And there's still, you know, and there's a lot that she can do in the ring in terms of athleticism. This match seems to favor Natalia more simply because of the fact that she is trained in the dungeon style. Like she is a heart through and through. It's in her blood. So I feel like, you know, like I just... I just don't know exactly how this is going to go considering, you know, there's no count out and all that other stuff in that match, but I am intrigued. And then I'm also intrigued at the idea that Mia Yim was backstage and protecting Aaliyah from getting attacked, um, in the sense, because she just can't stand bullies. So I'm wondering if they're feeding into a possible feud between Natalia and, um, not Mia Yim, Zaya Lee. I am so sorry. Mia Yim was let go of WWE, but I'm so sorry. But that's Zaya Lee. Like, and I'm just really interested in seeing how that's going to go. Um, Yeah, like that's going to be really cool if they let that happen. But something that I didn't like about SmackDown was the fact that you saw Shotzi being backstage and sort of, you know, gallivanting backstage with somebody, you know, and taking pictures or whatever. And I'm just like, what happened to aggressive Shotzi who was just in Sasha Banks' face a couple of months ago? Like, where has she been? Like, I need more of her in my life because I love her and she she's really talented. And I just feel like she should be involved in SmackDown a lot more than she is. Also something that sort of feeds into the whole Naomi and Sonya Deville beef um Sonya was so scared and so shook of Naomi even though she won't admit it that she um put Naomi in a championship match against Charlotte next week um in New Orleans and Adam Pierce was actually actually co-signed with it as well but Something that I hate is the fact that Sonya was always hiding behind the whole you can't touch me if I have on a coat thing. But then later on at the end of SmackDown, you saw Ronda Rousey picking up and roughhousing Sonya Deville even without a coat, which leads me to the idea that I really feel like Sonya, there's a really deeper reason as to why Sonya Deville does not like Naomi. And it has to be something other than, oh, well, I don't like you just because you have main character energy. Like a part of me really feels like if you would be more than willing to fight or get in the face of Ronda Rousey, who is actually an MMA fighter with your jacket on, but not Naomi, that sort of leads me to the idea that you really might not like Naomi because she's black. Like it's really it's giving you really don't like her and you keep you know stacking the goalposts against her because she's a black girl or black woman like that's really what it gives off to me and I know a lot of my listeners might feel like um that's a little bit low but considering I'm a black woman and I know what it's like to sort of you know be undermined and stuff like that and having a goalpost you know set against you over and over again even in life and in society um regardless to people trying to tell you the contrary it just feels like Sonya Deville really has something deeper against her other than the fact that she's just jealous of her and it's just like ma'am like it's 
So you let Rhonda be up on you with the jacket on, but not Naomi. But whatever. I was just glad somebody roughed house Sonya up and it was Rhonda, but it's whatever because Sonya was all like, I guess you haven't been here for a while. I'm in charge and you'll fight what I say and all this other stuff. And I was just glad somebody beat her up because God, Jesus, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of her. And then the fact that Charlotte was so savage as to say that the SmackDown to Rhonda that the SmackDown women's title is her baby and un and she's actually pretty unlike yours. Like that was a low blow. Like why you got to bring her child into it? Because I'm pretty sure you'd be mad if she brought Andrade into into your business but whatever i am excited that it's going to be ronda versus charlotte even though a lot of people might not feel that way but i am excited about that so um that was pretty much kind of what i liked with smackdown and stuff like that and of course i love every time paul Heyman gets on the microphone and talk because he's just a, one of the most brilliant minds in all of wrestling and i feel like if i could take a master class in wrestling and in cutting promos from him I would willingly take it because just hearing him talk about Roman Reigns and just putting anybody over the way that he does, he's just so eloquent. And I just want more of him in my life. Like I need him to introduce me whenever I come into a room. That's how much I love Papa Paul. Okay. Paul Heyman is the goat. I love him. Um, so, and then something else in wrestling that I really loved was that AEW match, um, on rampage between ricky starks and jay lethal and i know there is some type of weird dark um accusations going on with jay lethal but from a wrestler's perspective i can see why um a lot of he's very respected in terms of his athleticism um but definitely ricky starks impressed me as well because this is really my first time seeing him wrestle i had always seen him you know cut promos and do commentary on rampage and stuff like that but as far as wrestling i hadn't really seen him wrestle before so him in this match with Jay Lethal for the FTW championship was really cool and I was really happy to see you know on an AEW show two black men you know main event that so that was really good and I'm hoping that in the future AEW can continue to improve on um them featuring diverse um people um in storylines in major storylines involving championships like that like when are you going to have an a like a champ an AEW world champion contender that isn't you know just the average white male that we always see all the time like i'm waiting for that like i really am but i mean i am happy that jade cargill is the tbs champion and is the inaugural one as well but at the same time like there's still so much more that they can do and you know here's hoping that they do you know get that together so that's really everything that i kind of liked in wrestling this week from raw um a little bit of raw um nxc 2.0 smackdown and a little bit of rampage um i know this recap was a little bit different but there's been a lot going on in my life that i've been making room for and stuff and a lot that i've been preparing for so i wasn't able to do the full-on weekly recaps you know show by show that i normally do but please bear with your girl um i'm just in the midst of a lot of various life changes right now but hopefully i can get back to it at some point in some capacity so that's the end of what i liked in wrestling this week
All right. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. Um, I know it's not as normally, it's not as long as it normally is, but I still wanted to, you know, put forth an effort to put out a second episode to talk about my feelings about the Royal Rumble and everything that happened before and after that in news and gossip and stuff. But like I said, I'm going through some life changes right now and preparing for different things to put the podcast out there because with, um, comic-con um happening this coming weekend at the bjcc in birmingham here um i'm gonna have a fan table for the first time and with a fan table there's just stuff that you have to prepare for electronically and um i'm gonna be showing a lot of my interviews on um, my smart television that i have and i'm going to be giving away goodies like pens and, and business cards and stuff like that so if you want to drop by my fan table then please you know if you're going to comic-con please come out I would really appreciate it if you wanted to visit me and talk wrestling or talk anime in wrestling and so many different things you know please come visit me like I'm friendly I'll talk to you um and then we can teach each other stuff and bridge the gap so that would be really um awesome and yeah I'm just you know still trying to navigate doing various interviews with people this month and stuff and preparing to also celebrate the second anniversary of the hardy wrestling podcast as well as well as you know juggle my time with women's on women's wrestling talk the number one women's wrestling show on the planet and the belladonna division stuff as well so i'm just really just trying to juggle everything while also still um, taking care of my family because of course my mom um, had fell ill and she is recovering really well and I'm grateful for everyone who's reached out and said something to me and given me thoughts and prayers and stuff like that and good you know vibes and I'll continue to receive those um, so there's just been a lot going on in my life but I'm gonna still try to be as consistent as I can, but please bear with me um, if I'm not as consistent as I used to be. But there's just so much um, in my career that's growing um, while my life is going through various changes. But I'm still watching wrestling. I'm still, you know, taking in the various trends and everything. Um, and of course, I'm also going to still be posting throughout the month of February for Black History Month as well. So please enjoy those and share those and retweet those as you see them if you feel moved by any of them. Um, and just take the opportunity to learn about the contributions of various African and African American wrestlers this month. Because, you know, we do dope stuff all the time in wrestling, whether we're wrestlers, referees, writers, um, commentators. So yeah, just check us out and learn about our contributions and stuff. So with that in mind, please know that you can listen to the Hardy Wrestling Podcast everywhere you get your podcasts as Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and even my YouTube channel, The Hardy Wrestling Podcast. And know that you can follow The Hardy Wrestling Podcast on Instagram at Hardy Wrestling Podcast and on Twitter at Hardy Wrestle Pod. And you can check out any other stuff that I'm doing with Women's Wrestling Talk on Instagram and Twitter at WWTalkPod. And just check out the Belladonna Division on Instagram and Twitter at Belladonna Diviz or Belladonna Division. So with that in mind, um, thank you for listening to this um, episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. And until next time, bye, y'all.